The Massachusetts strategy to address climate change is dependent on using clean green electricity to displace the use of fossil fuels in cars, homes, businesses, and power plants. The problem right now is that we don't have enough clean green electricity. Efforts to import hydroelectricity from Quebec have stalled because of opposition to a transmission line in Maine. Offshore wind, the big game changer, has been slow to develop, initially because of federal regulatory delays. And now a new threat is starting to emerge. Avant Grid, the developer of a major wind farm off the coast of Massachusetts, says a contract to supply electricity it agreed to in May is no longer sufficient because of rising interest rates, surging inflation, and supply chain difficulties. The company wants to reopen the contract, make some changes, and then move ahead. The utilities that signed on to the original deal are balking right now. Wind farm developers up and down the Atlantic coast are facing similar challenges and watching closely to see what happens. With all that as a table, Southie, welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined by Ken Kimmel, Vice President of Offshore Wind Development at Avant Grid, and Representative Patricia Haddad, who, op- who hopes offshore wind can not only address climate change, but bolster her hometown of Somerset by turning it into a hub for the industry. Let's start with you, Ken. Your company has asked state regulators to put the contract approval process on hold while the parties work out a new deal. What is it Avant Grid needs? Sure, um, let me just back up a little bit to get the context and I'll, I'll uh, answer your question directly. Uh, the short answer is we need a very modest increase in the power purchase agreement that, we, that we've executed. But let me give a little background. Um, first of all, I think I just wanna say off the bat, thanks to the leadership of Governor Baker, Attorney General Healy, Representative Haddad and the state legislature, Massachusetts right now, right now, is on the verge of realizing a dream that it cast 15 years ago to be the national leader in offshore wind. As we speak, the Vineyard Wind One project, which Avangrid owns half of, is laying the undersea cable to connect the wind turbines to land. Those turbines are going to be built next year, and they will uh, connect to the grid, and we will have the first large-scale offshore wind project in the country. And that is because of leadership and vision and working together. And we are all justifiably proud. Now standing right in the the next phase is an even bolder project, Commonwealth Wind, which is what we're talking about today. This is a 1200 megawatt project. It will power 750,000 homes. It will cut our carbon footprint by uh, over 2.3 million tons a year. It will provide 11,000 new jobs. And as Representative Haddad knows, this project is connected to a major cable manufacturing company coming into Somerset and the redevelopment of a port in Salem to make it a world-class offshore marshalling port for the offshore wind industry. So there are enormous public interests and public benefits from this clean energy project. It will be the biggest clean energy project in Massachusetts, one of the biggest in the country. But it's facing a headwind, no pun intended. We bid this project back in September of 2021, and the world has changed dramatically since that time. We have the worst inflation in 40 years. 
We have the Russian invasion of Ukraine that has wreaked havoc on global commodities like steel, which obviously we use for these wind turbines. And we have the Federal Reserve who has now raised interest rates five times in the last year. And as anyone who takes out a mortgage to buy a house knows, even small percentages and in interest rates make enormous differences in the cost. The sum of all that has added hundreds of millions of dollars of cost to this project. And the current contract price is, is insufficient to cover those costs. And the project now has what's called negative present value. However, um, we are looking as hard as we can at ways that we can improve the economics. Um, and we found some promising opportunities. One of them is, is uh, delaying the purchase of the turbines to build bigger and more efficient turbines. That will help. There's some other things we can do that will help, but we're going to need a very modest increase in the purchase price in order for this project to remain economically viable and in order for us to go forward with it, which we absolutely want to do. So we've been uh, very transparent and open about this. We've explained this to the state, to the electric distribution companies, to the public. Um, and what we uh, want to do now is to go back, roll up our sleeves and figure out a way to make a modest adjustment to the purchase price so that we can go forward with this project and deliver clean energy, jobs, uh, economic development, and maybe above all, another source of power generation so we are not so dependent upon one source of electricity, natural gas, and all of those benefits we can have, but we need to solve this, pro this problem with the purchase price in order to do it. Was there any specific trigger to this decision? Because um, uh, you, you mentioned a lot of global forces going on, but was there anything specific that said, oh, that's it, uh, we can't make this work? Or did it just slowly evolve over time? More the latter. It's an aggregate. It's not any one thing. It's partly the commodity prices, it's partly inflation, it's partly interest rates going up. It's all of them together that's contributing to the situation we're in. And our first resort was to figure out ways that we can make the project better and more efficient to offset this. At a certain point over the summer, we, can, we became convinced and we have third party experts who are validating this that we can get part of the way with what we can do to improve the business case, but that a modest price increase would be necessary to get us back into the black so that we can get financing for this project and move forward. So um, I don't have much experience with this. I don't think anybody in the offshore wind industry, because it's so new, has any experience with this. But um, so you go through a process like this, and at the end, circumstances change and we need to, you're saying we need to rejigger the contract a little bit. Some people might say, well, let's, let's do it all over again. Let's have another bid process and start from scratch. What, what's the disadvantage of, of doing it that way? Well, first of all, just to be clear, it's not legally required to rebid the project. The, the Department of Public Utilities has the authority and there is precedent for amending a contract, even one that's been done through a competitive bid process. So rebidding is not required, but more importantly, that has an enormous downside. If the project were rebid now, I can say confidently based on the power purchase agreements that we're seeing all across the United States, that the rebid price would be much, much higher 
than either the current contract or the contract with the modest adjustment that we're asking for, much, much higher. So ratepayers would lose out with a, with a much higher contract. But the other thing is this project is needed for Massachusetts to meet its climate goals. They have a, a, there's an ambitious 2030 climate target. Our project will get done by 2028. It will be generating electricity. If this is stopped and it's rebid and a new person comes in uh, and starts the permitting process all over from scratch, we're, we're just not gonna have this project in time for, to meet the Massachusetts climate goals. And I think all of us can agree on one thing, the climate crisis can't wait. Representative, let's let's turn to you for, for a minute here. Um, it sort of seems like everything Mr. Kimmel's pointing out, um, the state needs this power, uh, it's gotta move ahead, it needs it to meet emission target, all these things. From your perspective, representative community that has a pretty big stake or, or an emerging stake in this industry, let's say, how do you feel about it? You know, I think we all need to be flexible. I'm watching right now the permitting process that's taking place with the, the Prismium group. That is the group that will be doing the subsea cables. Um, they're moving along, but I'm very sensitive to the fact that if anything has to start all over again, you're moving things out 18 and 24 months. It's um, so, yes, I think that when we, did the initial bill, we tried to give the, the administration and the utilities flexibility. And in every case, they have the option not to take a bid. So there's protection for the consumers, there's protection for the utilities, there's protections for um, everyone who is spending money. There was no way that we could have guessed that the world would turn on its head the way it has. And, you know, for a little town like Somerset to ask us to wait another 18 months or another 24 months to uh, realize the kind of tax revenue that we've lost continues to set us back and continues to um, uh, have our people looking at this with skepticism. We've been promising changes for a long time. And um, to say, well, you know, we've got to wait now. I think a modest wait, um, a, a month or more to be able to uh, to like regroup. And, and as Ken said, you know, there probably are savings to be found. But if we have to meet artificial deadlines, um, that's going to be difficult for everybody. And so I'm inclined to say, and, and I think if you say to my people, you want to go back to the drawing board, I think people in Somerset will be very nervous. Um, about what that would actually mean to the project. So um, can you say a modest increase? Um, and I know you have to do some talking to all the various parties before you get into details on this, but um, this project was uh, subject to a price cap, right? When it was, when, when it was approved. Yes, sir. Um, is that likely to present a problem in terms of uh, moving ahead with a modest increase? Is, are, are you gonna be in violation of that uh, restriction? So we're gonna be meeting with the, the state and the Mass Attorney General to be very specific, but I'm gonna answer your question generally. We are going to uh, do our very best to honor the price cap. And even though it has been legislatively abolished going forward, 
we're going to uh, work within that price cap for the price increase that we're requesting. I should also state that uh, we, we've done independent analysis of this with, with, even with this price increase, Commonwealth Wind will be the second least expensive offshore wind project in the country. And the project will save ratepayers money even with this modest increase because it is so much less expensive than natural gas or coal or nuclear fired electric generation. So ratepayers will save under the original contract, they'll save under the amended contract, and Massachusetts will still get the benefit of having one of the most cost-effective, if not the most cost-effective offshore wind project in the country. So again, uh, there's probably a lot of game, perhaps gamesmanship being played before the Department of Public Utilities, which has to decide whether you, you can spend this time working it out. But why are the utilities saying there's no need to have this delay? Why, why, do, why do you think they're opposing it at least this point, at this point in the process? Well, Bruce, I got to be honest with you. I, I scratched my head a little bit and was disappointed when the utilities sent that letter saying they refused to negotiate um, for a couple of reasons. First, they haven't even heard the evidence. I mean, we're prepared to show them the, the entire justification for this. And I would think it would behoove them to have an open mind and want to hear that evidence before ruling it out. So that's first of all. The second thing I don't get is on the very day that we got a letter saying we refused to negotiate, we saw a letter that the president of one of the utility companies sent to President Biden warning the president about uh, the reliability of the electric grid in New England and making the argument, which we agree with, that with all these power plants uh, set to retire, we need new electricity generation in this grid. And this 1200 megawatt project, I can't tell you what a huge contribution that is to the reliability of the system. So I'm scratching my head. On the one hand, they're saying we've got to act to deal with this impending shortage of power. On the other, they seem to be closing the door on discussing a minor change to the contract to allow us to go forward. So I, I can't say what was in their mind. I can say that we were disappointed to see that. And we do hope that we'll have an opportunity to sit down with the utility companies to show them our evidence and convince them that this is a path forward to solve the problem that they're acutely aware of, which is we don't want brownouts and blackouts in New England. We need to have a reliable power supply. And that is one of the beauties of offshore wind. It's not dependent upon what happens in Ukraine or what happens with Saudi Arabia. This is energy that we can count on. It's, it's our own you know, homespun source of energy. So I really am hoping that over time we'll have the opportunity to sit down with the utilities, but I was disappointed and surprised by their initial response. Representative, I wondered if you could address something that I think most people are sort of wondering. It sort of seems like every step we take, you know, whether it's importing hydroelectricity from Canada or offshore wind, it starts with a lot of promise, but then there's like President Biden visited your community earlier mm -hmm. this year and sort of said, let's go. Uh, and yet, and now this is not a, a deal breaker by any stretch, but it's, it's another glitch. These things just keep happening. Uh, and you've experienced that a lot. Uh, I know. What do you, how do you react to all that? 
Well, again, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm a glass half full type person. I don't want to look at this as here's an, here's another um, hurdle. I think it's just a bump in the road. You know, um, we all need to look at this as it's a brand new industry. There's no way we could have anticipated any of these hurdles or any of these bumps in the roads. You know, and I too am disappointed with the utilities because instead of them saying no, I would want them to say, well, how can we? How can we get over this little hurdle? I just want to remind you that part of, you know, let's go way back into uh, 2012 and 15 when we were talking about what wind would cost. And during that time, we were getting exorbitant amounts that this would cost. People were telling us, and you know, if, if we go back to the old Cape Wind project, they wanted an accelerator. So putting this cap was part of a process so that people would be um, confident that yes, the wind was free and all of the other things that helped us to bring it together would not raise the price. So, so that cap is a little bit of an artificial piece of insurance or assurance to people going forward that it really was going to cost less and less as the industry developed. So when, um, and, and Ken, I don't, you know, I don't wanna speak for the industry, but when they say modest, they're talking tenths of a penny. And when yeah. those tenths of a penny add up throughout all of the, um, the consumers, that's where you get the extra money. So we're not talking about um, you know, massive amounts in increase. And all of us who, uh, we our house happens to be heated by natural gas, know that our rates have gone up this winter. So on the one hand, the utilities are asking for more money. And on the other hand, they're not being understanding, I guess, of all of the pieces, as you said, these moving pieces that bring us our power. So um, I too am disappointed because I do think that we gave the legislation and the legislature gave plenty of flexibility and we created a process that would not hurt, ultimately hurt the consumer, that, that it would all help the consumer. So then get back down to, to my world, two things happen when we have wind. One, we, um, we have a, the first company who's going to bring real tax money to Somerset. And second, it opens a door to our power rates stabilizing instead of constantly going up. And I think the stabilization is a piece that everybody's forgetting. The aggregate of wind and gas will bring down the costs to the end user. And that's what, you know, I've been promising to people for way too many years. So Ken, uh, one thing I could use a little help understanding. Um, you're talking about a modest increase, but let's say if, if we were to start over, I, I get the time argument that, that we can't wait, but, um, but you said the prices looking at what's going on elsewhere on, along the Atlantic coast are, are much higher. Well, how, how can you do a modest uh, increase at this point in time and everybody else is going way much higher? Um, why, why, is, why are you able to keep your prices lower than what everybody else is doing, even if they go up a little bit? 
Yeah, that's fair. Well, for, first of all, we have momentum. We are in the permitting process for Commonwealth Win. We've done a lot of the engineering. We've done a lot of the design. As you probably know, or at least I should point out if you don't, um, we're going to be doing this project, constructing it at the same time as another project called Park City Win. Um, and there are significant advantages to doing scale. So we've got that project and this project that are going to be constructed in the same time frame. So there's cost savings there um, that we can take advantage of. But I, I guess I also want to say this. We are deliberately asking for a modest price increase, recognizing that the onus is also on us to improve the economics with whatever levers we can have. Um, so we're not asking, for example, for a price increase that would be the types of prices that you'd see if there's a rebid. And just to give you some numbers, we're in, this, we're in the $70 a megawatt hour or seven cents a kilowatt hour. That's where we're at. If you look at contracts that are being signed today for offshore wind, they're in the $10, $11 range or 10 cents to 11 cents a kilowatt hour. That is a huge difference. And so I'm simply saying, if, if this is rebid, you can expect prices in that range. If instead our modest price increase is accepted, you know, we're in a range three or $4 below that. And we believe we can pull this off. We've studied the heck out of this thing and we've got a plan to get over the finish line and still save ratepayers money and still provide a cost-effective rate and get that great cable manufacturing facility built in Somerset and get the port redeveloped in Salem. I think we can do all of those things. It's just gonna take the kind of vision and collaboration that it took to get the Vineyard Wind Project going. And that is happening right now on time, on budget. And that's the success story that I know we can duplicate if we all get together and solve this problem. So, um... Attorney General Maura Healy is part of this process as well uh, about this contract. And her filing this week uh, with the DPU, the Department of Public Utilities, didn't even acknowledge this, uh, this question about delay or anything. I was a little surprised that her office didn't even weigh in in any fashion on this. Were you, Ken? No, I, I think she's doing exactly what you'd expect a public servant to do at this point, which is to keep an open mind. We're, we're going to be presenting our numbers and our data. Um, what I interpreted from her filing was they haven't taken a stance on this one way or the other, which is perfectly appropriate. They need to hear our numbers. They need to ask the good questions. They're there to protect the ratepayers, and they should. And we're going to have that opportunity to talk to her and her team, I hope, in the next couple of weeks and make our case. And so we, as far as we're concerned, um, both the Baker administration, Secretary Card, Attorney General, have demonstrated to us an open mind and a willingness to talk. And that's all we can ask for. Fair enough. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me today. Representative Patricia Haddad of Somerset and Ken Kimmel, uh, Vice President of Offshore Wind Development at Avon Grid. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.